God speaks to him and says, rise up, Peter, slay and eat. How does Peter respond? By no means, Lord. This is God speaking to him. He loves God. God says, do this. He says, no. But why does he say no? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Good Earth Podcast. This is Jake Martin again with Christians on Campus. This episode, we would like to continue with our third metaphor, mirrors to behold and reflect Christ. On Monday, we saw that as mirrors, we need to turn our heart to behold the Lord so that we can reflect Him. Psalm 27.8 shows us an excellent attitude for us to have as a mirror to behold and reflect the Lord. The psalmist says to God, When you say, Seek my face, to you my heart says, Your face, O Lord, will I seek. Here's Danny. All right, we'll get started. So this week we're covering metaphor three in 2 Corinthians. So continuing the topic, metaphors for the Christian life. And we're looking at, have been going through 2 Corinthians. And we covered being captives of Christ in chapter 2. And then letters of Christ at the beginning of chapter 3. And so this week we are on the end of chapter 3 on being mirrors. And so the verse, the main verse that mentions this is 2 Corinthians 3.18. And that says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding and reflecting like a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord's Spirit. And so here, the believers in this metaphor are likened to mirrors, but the mirrors have an object. They need an object, and that is the Lord Jesus. He is the object which we as the believers are meant to behold and then reflect him. But in order to reflect the object, the mirror also has to have nothing between or no veils that would cover the object or cover the mirror and prevent it from clearly seeing the object. And so... As Michael shared some on Monday, and we're going to continue this, what even are some veils that can be between us and the Lord that can prevent us from beholding and reflecting the Lord as a mirror? And so then the other verse I have up on the board is 2 Corinthians 3.16, because this tells us even how we remove the veil. In 3.16 it says, but whenever their heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And the context here is actually speaking about the veil being religion. And actually the, the Jewish religion became a veil to God's people. 
that prevented them from beholding the Lord and reflecting the Lord. And so this, even again, this concept of how religion can be a veil can be a little bit mysterious, a little bit hard for us to like take in because when we think of religion, it's like, hey, this, this is good. Religion is something good. Um, or you would say, I guess you could say even religion, we speak about Judaism or Christianity. Good, Because obviously there's religions that are made up, just made up, have nothing of truth in them. There's religions that actually from Satan, from the of inspiring people. So they're very bad religions, but we're speaking about good religions. And so here, Judaism came from God. So it's like, okay, this has a good source. It came from God, but it became a problem that that became the focus and not God himself and here not the Lord. Religion became the focus and then it became a veil to God's people. And so some of the examples that even Michael shared, it's very good to look at with the apostle Paul himself or even with the Pharisees at that time. So when the Lord was born, this was something that was prophesied through the scriptures thousands of years before even the Lord came. It's like it's there hundreds of years and they're, they're reading it. They're expecting the Messiah to come. And then the wise men see a star. They come. They're not too clear where the Messiah, where he would be born at. So the scribes and the Pharisees are brought in. They knew exactly where he's going to be born. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. So they help direct the wise men to Bethlehem. Do they go themselves? Nope. It's like, this is the one they've been expecting. It's like God himself is being incarnated. He becoming a man. But they have no heart to go see him being born. They have no heart to see Jesus coming in to humanity. They know the scriptures. They know where he's going to be born. They can point their religion, their understanding of the scripture helped them in that. But they have no heart for God, no heart to go see him. And this wasn't the only time actually, you see, religion became a constant battle or it was constantly verse the Lord himself. When he walked on the earth, who was the main ones who opposed him? The religious. Those who held to Judaism the strongest were the strongest opponents of God himself. And isn't this weird? Judaism, again, its source, the law, all this stuff came from God. But they picked it up. It became a religion that was to help them know God, worship God, do things for God, be right with God. But it was that same thing that they used to kill God in the flesh. Jesus Christ, they use that. You're blaspheming, saying you're God. That's against our religion. You need to die. You need to die because of that. And so they, they crucified him. And so you see with them, and you see how it veiled them 
from seeing this was the God that they were supposedly for and were worshiping. But what about actually the followers of Jesus? So today we're going to go and actually look at Peter. So we know Peter, Peter the Count. He was a Jew. He grew up in the Jewish religion, like all the other Jews. But he was a fisherman. And obviously the Lord appeared, the Lord called him, he left all, he followed the Lord. We read through the Gospels of his account of following the Lord, of loving the Lord. Yes, he made a lot of mistakes, but he loved the Lord. And then we get to Acts. And this, I want to look at Acts chapter 10, starting at verse 9. And so, because Peter, Peter, this kind of, this represents us as believers, those who, who have a heart for the Lord, that want to follow the Lord, that love the Lord. But still we see something here of the religion that was in Peter and how it frustrated and hindered him. Hey everybody, this is Caitlin. Are you looking for a church? We get together every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and praise our God and Father. We warmly receive all in Christ, regardless of denominational background. Please visit churchinfairborn.org for more information. Now, back to Danny. And so, we're going to start at verse 9, but to give the context here, you had someone named Cornelius, who was not a Jew, who was a Gentile, but he was one who cared for God. And he was praying to God, and God sent an angel to him, and actually told him, to go send men and get Peter and actually told them where Peter was. So he sends out men to go get Peter. And now at verse nine, we're starting, this is with Peter. And on the next day, as they were journeying and drawing near to the city, Peter went up to the housetop to pray at the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and wanted to eat. And while they were preparing, a trance came upon him. And he beheld heaven opened in a certain vessel, like a great sheet descending, being led down by the four corners onto the earth, in which were all the four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth and birds of heaven. And a voice came to him, rise up, Peter, slay and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common and unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, the things which God has cleansed do not make common. And this occurred three times, and immediately the, the vessel was taken up into heaven. Okay, so he's there, he's praying, he enters into a trance and he sees this sheep roll down and there's all these animals, four-footed animals, there's reptiles, there's birds on the sheet. And then God speaks to him and says, rise up, Peter, slay and eat. How does Peter respond? By no means, Lord. This is God speaking to him. He loves God. God says, do this. He says, no. 
But why does he say no? I mean, why does he say no? Well, Peter is like, I got a good reason. For I have never eaten anything anything common or unclean. This was according to Judaism. This was according to how he had been raised. This was actually given, this is recorded in Leviticus about clean and unclean animals and not eating them and not touching them. So he's a good Jew. He has followed his religion and he's never eaten anything unclean. But now God is telling him to rise up, slay and eat. And he tells God no. But he tells him no based on his religion. He's a good, and it's like, it's in him. But as God says in the next, it said the voice second time, the things which God has cleansed do not make common. So God had, had done something. He had made all things clean. And actually we need to go on just a little bit more in 17. It says, and now Peter was utterly complexed in himself as to what the vision had he had seen might be. But behold, the men were, that were sent by Cornelius, having made diligent inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. So then the men that Cornelius sent came. And then if you keep reading, it says in verse 19, while Peter was pondering over the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, there are three men seeking you. But rise up, go down with them, doubting nothing, because I have sent them. So now the Spirit is telling him, go with these men. And then we're going to go to verse 28. And this kind of brings us full circle to what this vision meant. And 28 says, and he said to them, you understand that it is unlawful. So Peter then went and now he's there in the house of Cornelius and he's speaking to them. And so he said, he's saying to them, you understand that it is unlawful for a man who is a Jew, speaking about himself, I'm Peter, I'm a Jew, this is not lawful according to my religion, to join himself or to come near of another race. Yet God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. And so before this time, even this was part of the religion, Judaic religion that God gave. He gave a provision of that the his people, the Jews, shouldn't interact in a in a loose way with the nations because the nations they worshiped idols, they worshiped other gods, and whenever God's people went to be with them or interacted with them, it wouldn't be long before God's people then started worshiping those idols. So even this commandment from God was to protect his people as and it was it was for a good cause but now Peter's holding on to that but God when Jesus came and he died he died for the sins of all mankind he cleansed all mankind and so now he wants the gospel to go out the good news to go out to all mankind more than just even Jews and so here is Cornelius a gentile God wants them to hear the gospel, the good news. But Peter's religion is frustrating him 
because he's grown up to know this is wrong. This is wrong. I can't do this. But now God wants to do something. God is moving in a certain way, but Peter's religion is frustrating him from cooperating with God. Eventually, he, he gets it. He's like, oh, okay, this is what God is saying. This is the point of that vision that I just had. That is not just animals. He's speaking about people that I can be with the Gentiles. I can share the gospel with them. But it's like he had this struggle. And this wasn't the, now you think, okay, he had the vision. Everything is cleared up. He's good now. Actually, this wasn't the only time. Actually, it comes up later in Galatians 2 that Peter is eating now with fellow believers who are Gentiles, who are not Jews, but they're believers in Christ. They love the Lord, Peter loves the Lord, and they're eating together. But then certain Jews come down, and they come down, and then he sees those Jews, and he's like, oh wait, I'm a Jew, I should, uh, they're not going to think very good of me if, I, if I'm eating with Gentiles. So then he separates himself from the Gentiles, and he stops eating with them. But then Paul was there, and Paul actually rebukes him, he says, what are you doing? He's like, you're not, you're not being faithful to God and to his word and to what he has shown you. So he rebukes him in front of everyone. So even though Peter had this revelation, God showed him clearly. It's like, this, they're not, they're not unclean. You can be with them. But still, religion keeps coming up. It was in him. And so just to share, I have also Galatians 3.27 on here, because this is helpful, even with this matter of religion, the law, is that in Galatians 3.27, it says, for, sorry, 324, 3.24, So then the law has become our child conductor unto Christ, that we might be justified out of faith. Or other words for child conductor might be escort, guardian, custodian, guide. The law that God gave was meant to lead God's people to a person, Jesus. All of it was to guide them to him. But it was like a guardian, a custodian. It was to keep them. There was good things in there to keep negative things out. Idolatry, other negative things. But it all pointed them. And it was all meant to point them to Jesus Christ. This one. That's that's where it was leading them. But the danger is they got so focused on the religion itself. And they missed God. They missed the person of Jesus. And this, to give like an analogy of this, I was even considering, okay, so I have, I have a son, he's, he's nine months old. And so in our house also, you know, he's growing, we take pictures of him. So we have pictures of our, our son. And so obviously the picture, it's, it's of our son. We like the picture because it's, it reminds us of him. But let's say we're, I'm in my house and I wake up smelling smoke my house is on fire. And I get my wife up, we get out of the house, and I grab the picture of my son, and we're outside, and I'm like, everything is okay. Honey, you're out, we got got the picture of our son, but my son is still in the burning house. It's like, would that 
you might be like, that would be pretty messed up. That'd be like pretty, pretty twisted. Is like, what are you doing? Why would you get a picture instead of your actual son who's still in the house? But the law, everything that God gave was a picture to him, of him, of Jesus Christ. It was all to lead you to him. But they got so focused on the picture that they didn't actually care about the person. (laughs) It's Jesus comes and they don't care about him. God comes, they don't care. We got got the picture. We got the picture. It's like in the same, so this is not just with the Jewish religion and not just with Peter. Because you'd be like, well, I'm not a Jew, I'm not this. But this is can be a same danger to us as believers. That we got, many of us got raised in Christian homes or we've heard things about the Lord. But those things can become a veil to us. If our focus is just on those, I am a good Christian, I'm doing these things as just as I was raised to do. And our focus becomes the tradition, the religion, and not the person of Jesus Christ. Those things become a veil. And those things actually hinder us from beholding him and from reflecting him. And that, even as that verse said, the more we behold him, the more we reflect him to others, and the more we're transformed into his same image. But just just in one, one last thing, in closing, I just wanted to touch also on this matter of a mirror and its object. Something else that comes into play, other than you have to have the object, there has to be the mirror, and there can't be any veils in between, is what's the distance between the mirror and the object that it was to reflect? So if you have a mirror here, and there's an object that I want to reflect that's 20 feet away, 25 feet away, it's going to do more than just reflect that object. Yeah, the object is in that mirror, but there's a lot of other things that it's reflecting. A lot of other things that it's picking up than just the object that it wants to reflect, the further away it is. In the same way with our relationship with the Lord Jesus, the closer that we are, the more we draw near to him the more we just reflect him. And there's less things, there's less obstacles, there's less things to turn us away, to turn our focus, our attention away from him. That we can have a relationship that as we go on as Christians, it can become closer and closer, nearer and nearer to the Lord. The Lord can be more real to us we can love him more and more as we go on. A, and this would be is a normal Christian. Because the more that's taking place, then the more it will show in our life. The more we will behold him, he'll be so real, so personal to us. The more we'll reflect him, who he is to others, his glory. The more we'll be transformed into his image. And so just again in closing, these two things is that anything that... We don't want anything in our life, even good things, even religion, even our culture, anything that can we can become focused on that thing and miss him, miss the one we love.
miss Jesus. And we don't want our relationship with him to be far away. We want, as we progress as Christians, that our relationship with the Lord, we get nearer and nearer. And he becomes more precious, more lovely to us. Please listen to the last two stanzas of the hymn, Just As I Am. Just as I am, thou wilt receive, wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve, because thy promise I believe. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, thy love unknown has broken every barrier down, now to be thine, yea, thine alone. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. This hymn is an excellent example of the attitude we should have as mirrors to reflect the Lord. Regardless of where we are, what we are, or what we have done, we just want to draw near to the Lord and be in His presence so that we can reflect Him. If you like what you heard and would like to hear more, please like, share, subscribe to, and review this podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you for the next episode.